Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for this wonderful day. You've blessed us with so many things already. Now the blessed opportunity to get back into your word. Help us now. We do a little bit of history and, and some study and be able to see how Christians need to behave and no matter what the season is, no matter what day it is. Thank you oh so much for all that of us. We pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Tomorrow is Halloween. A lot of folks feel that Christians should have have anything whatsoever to do with Halloween. Other Christians feel it's no problem as long as you do it right. You have churches in the area that have the, they call them the trunk or treat, or even Halloween parties where they invite the kids to come out. And we've had several Halloween parties at, at our house in years past until all, we got to looking around and the only ones that were showing up turned out to be adults because everybody done growed up. So we quit having Halloween parties because we're no more kids. But we always tried to focus on things that weren't on the dark side. We encouraged the kids to come out and, and have a, a safe place to be able to celebrate the day and try to keep it on a more... Fantasy, but not the dark fantasies. To stay away from the witches and the, the evil and the harmful side of it and look more toward decorating in a fall appearance or decorating or dressing up as various characters like superheroes or Bible characters or historical characters or even inanimate objects or animals. Instead of coming up with your a bizarre looking outfit that looked like you just come up out of the grave and you're a zombie walking around looking for somebody's guts to eat. Let's try to stay away from that kind of stuff. But if you look at the kind of a history of what Halloween, what Halloween is, what it actually means, where did it come from, and what should we as Christians today do with such a holiday? Is it a holiday? Is it a holy day? Is it still, or was it ever, a holiday? Well, if you look at what it actually means, Halloween, originally it means All Hallows' Eve, or Hallows' Eve, and the eve of November the 1st. And that was All Saints' Day. Let's look a little bit of history. If you go back to uh, St. Patrick, which was the patron saint of Ireland, he was born in Britain, and he was taken captive by Irish raiders at the age of 16, and he was sold as a slave. He dealt with a lot of the Celtic and the paganism that was in Ireland at that time. Paganism was practiced by the Celts, or the Celtic people, on the British Isles, and that was all the way back to a number of centuries even before Jesus Christ. And after six years of captivity, St. Patrick had escaped and he became a bishop at the age of 43 and he went back to Ireland to try to win over the Irish people away from their pagan roots and come into Christianity. He was attributed to bringing Christianity to Ireland. The Druids were the elite of the Celts, and they had a religious, a pagan religious 
celebration or festival that was called Sowen or Sawen. And it observed at, it was observed at harvest time in the fall, and it marked the Celtic New Year. And the Celts believed that on the night of what we call Halloween, that that night the barrier between the natural world and the supernatural world was removed, and the evil or the dead could rise and mingle amongst folks. That the spirits of the dead were able to move freely among the living. And Patrick was successful with bringing Christianity and overlaying these pagan things that were going on in Ireland at the time. And in the year 835 A.D., Pope Gregory IV moved the church's Feast of All Saints. And this Feast of All Saints, All Hallows' Eve, or All Hallows' Day, was actually Memorial Day to the passed away saints. And he moved it from the spring to November 1st to replace the Celtic observance of Solon. So he took a religious day and overlaid it on the day of paganism. So he covered the paganism with a religious day because it was difficult to try to stop someone that had traditionally celebrated on a particular day but it was easier to overlay that day or alter that day into a good day rather than a bad day. We've got to look, is that still all right? I mean, is the roots of it, the origin of it was evil because he's overlaying an evil to celebration day with a, a righteous day. And we've got to look, well, we are all born-again Christians. The Lord has overlaid or converted us from something evil into something righteous. So in comparison, taking something that was evil and turning it into something that was righteous is just like the Lord takes us something evil and turns us into something righteous by His righteous covering of Jesus Christ. So you can see why Pope Gregory was thinking that this was a good thing to do is cover that up with a righteous day. All Saints Day or All Saints Eve, Halloween, became known as All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween, the Eve of the Saints' Day. And the old pagan practices of the, the, the Celtics and the Druids was disannulled by the church as witchcraft. This is how Halloween became known as the witch's holiday, because they acknowledged their Celtic paganism as witch's day, and then you get into some of the other uh, traditions or practices of Halloween. What are the origins of them, such as trick-or-treat? It's a custom known today thoroughly of American origin. And in the 19th century, the Irish and the Scottish immigrants brought their Halloween traditions to North America, and the night became an occasion for pranks and mischief. i got to... Think back at some of my Irish and Scottish roots, some of them troublemakers, that uh, it makes a lot of sense. But I can say that since I'm part Irish and part Scottish, part, part Scottish. of course, you've got to throw in the American Indian, too. Basically, I'm a mutt, so takes care of all of it. And to counteract Halloween vandalism, the Boy Scouts began to organize safe and fun alternatives 
and encourage children to go door to door and receive treats from homeowners and merchants. So this is where you see the getting of the treats. The, the tricks was kind of, okay, you got a choice. Were you going to act like the, the bad side of it or you treat us, give us a treat, then we won't toilet paper your house or soap your windows. The dressing in costumes comes from a tradition from the British Isles where masked players would go house to house putting on simple drama or musical show for food or drink. And oftentimes these were of Christian themes. So you see how all of this combination of paganism, Catholicity, civil organizations like the Boy Scouts all mingled together and we see what we have today with Halloween. And of course it has gone through its changes through the years in America as being something that was safe and fun to something that was dark and dangerous and then back into more safe and fun. And, and now you kind of think, is it getting dark and dangerous again? Because you see more and more of it leaning toward the dark and the dangerous, the way that's promoted. So the evil side of it more than just the fun and festive side to dress up as Bible characters and put on a, a show or a theme to, for reward at someone's door or to come in and even sing songs and receive those treats. Or you come in, you see how scary you can be and scare somebody into giving you a treat. So we've got to look at it. How can we use this as Christians to, to reach someone? Well, this time of year when there's so much interest in the dark side of it, we can point out the error of the dark side and try to win people over to the light. Just as going all the way back to St. Patrick, trying to take a day and turn it into something, a righteous day instead of an unrighteous day. And you can look at some of the things that are used, uh, some of the symbols, some of the images. One of the images that you see a lot is the skull and crossbone the, that's used for a symbol of poison or of death and if you go back to the original name of the skull and the crossbone, the cross bones underneath of the skull, it is memento mori, which is Latin, which means remember that you have to die. And if you go back to the catacombs in Rome, the during the plagues where they had countless people dying, so much that they didn't have any place to put all the graves. They would take the, once the bodies were defleshed from the grave, they would take the bones out of the grave and they would put them down in the catacombs. And they would mark some of the graves of the Christians by putting the X underneath the skull. It wasn't a grave, it was they would put them on the shelves down there in the catacombs. You can see images of this. You can even go over there and still tour them today. And you would see the X's, and the X in the early church represented Jesus Christ, Christianity, because it was a time when a lot of persecution, they would use the X to represent Jesus Christ to go back to the Greek and so forth. So a skull and crossbones meant a Christian was buried there, or this was the bones of a Christian. Of course, then you come along with the pirates and everything. They thought it was a pretty cool symbol to use, so they started using that. And they were using it like, remember, you're going to die because they were coming as a threat. 
And it had become something darker and darker, and today it just always looked as this is a symbol of poison or this is a symbol of evil or of death. But in that as well, it's a symbol that, as it says in the Latin there, it means remember that you have to die. So in remembering that you have to die, you've got to remember that there's a day of accountability, that we are all going to die. Therefore, let's live like we should and bring honor and glory to the Lord in everything that we do. So if you think about that, every time you see the skull and crossbones, just remember that someday we're going to be in judgment. Someday we are going to die. So we can take things that are used by the devil to mean something evil and turn it into something that we can reach somebody in a good way. Which the Lord uses so much in history. You can go all the way back and see how the Lord's taken something that is dark or something that is evil and being able to use it to reach people. We're not going to get to get rid of the day of Halloween, so we need to do like Pope Gregory the Fourth did and try to overlay it and turn it into something of good. Take that dark day and turn it into something good. Take that dark day to reach somebody, to shine the light into that dark day and reach somebody. There's a lot of Christians say, well, nope, I'm not going to give out candy. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to close the door and turn off all the lights and they can just go on to the next door. Well, the, do- the kids are coming to your door with an open bag. That's a perfect opportunity to drop in a Bible track, a hunk of candy and a Bible track. They're going to look at that Bible track. And there's a lot of Bible tracks that are specifically designed to be given out during Halloween because they draw the people in to look at them. So this is interesting. They open it up and and they're being presented the gospel. So that's what we need to do in this dark world is to see, are there doors of opportunity that are opening up right in front of us, even in the midst of something that might be dark, that gives us a chance to shine the light of Jesus Christ into that dark room? All right, let's look at some of the scriptures concerning the evil of it, the darkness of it, the witchcraft of it, that we can use when we want to communicate to someone to stay away from the witches and the warlocks and the sorcerers and so forth. If you go all the way back to Leviticus, in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 6, reads, And the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits, and after wizards, and to go a-whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among his people. Necromancing, which is speaking to the dead, and so many other things there that the Lord is frowning on, doesn't want Christians to be a part of. Over in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9, let's look at some of the early teaching concerning this darkness, concerning the witchcraft and so forth. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. Now these are instructions and guidance and ordinances and statutes of the Old Testament that was given to Moses and the children of Israel during their exodus. Reads, when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, talk about coming into the promised land, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or in an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch. This, their sons and daughters to pass through the fire, they were actually sacrificing their children to the pagan gods, burning them 
on an altar to their pagan gods. Today, they just abort them right in the belly of the mama. There's don't be doing such things and divination or observer of times. Observer of times, we know this as those that look at the horoscopes. Observer of times. An enchanter or a witch, those that claim that they are in touch with other spirits, as it says in verse 11, or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard or a necromancer. A consulter with familiar spirits is someone who is indwelt with a demon that is given inspiration and knowledge and information that they can then give to a person and it makes them sound like or feel like that they are reaching their loved ones or something like that where he goes on down to necromancer. Necromancer is someone who talks to the dead and wizards. He's for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doeth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. You need to come out from away from all that as it continues. For these nations which thou shalt possess hearkened unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do so. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren, like unto me, and to him ye shall hearken. This was a prophecy of Jesus Christ. You listen to Jesus Christ. You follow Jesus Christ, not these false teachers and these witches and warlocks. According to all that thou hast, thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. So you got these people that like to lift themselves up as being a psychic that can speak and prophesy things, like Nostradamus and some of the other famous ones of the past. That's what he's speaking of here. Somebody that is of Satan, that is not of Jesus Christ, and they're going to pay for it. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. Let out. Somebody say this or that's going to happen. It doesn't happen. You don't have to listen to them. They're not of God. Like so many that have prophesied that particular day that the Lord was going to come back. And it didn't happen. You have a complete branch of religion that 
went by that. A whole group of them gathered together and went up and sold everything and said, okay, this is going to be the day we're all going to be raptured up. So they all got together and sold everything and went up there and they waited. And like, well, nope, nope, nope. And they finally scattered about. And it's happened several times all through the ages. People that have predicted the last days, exactly the date, nobody knows that. But that's a false prophet. That's a false teacher. That would be considered a, a witch or a warlock or a false prophet because that's really what it is. It's all about that. Over in 2 Kings chapter 17, two verses here, verse 16, And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and use divination and enchantments and sold themselves to the evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. We know that the children of Israel in the past have turned from the Lord and gone into the dark side, gone into the evil ways, gone into the witchcraft and the sorcery and so forth, and paid a horrible price for it. He tells us over and over, we shouldn't be doing such things. Don't be doing that. Over in Second Chronicles chapter 13, I'm excuse me, in Second Chronicles chapter 33, once again, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem but did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. See, they were hanging on to those old things, just like you go back to the modern times, all the way into where St. Patrick was going to Israel, excuse me, St. Patrick was going to Ireland trying to overlay the evil. Well, it got brought back. And today they're trying to bring back the darkness, bring back the evil for Halloween. We need to get rid of the evil origins of it and turn it into something just a festive day. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down and he reared up altars for Baalim and made groves and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. He also, also he built altars in the house of the Lord where of the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. These hosts of heaven is the astrology. Reads, And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnon, sacrificing their children to the pagan god. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit, and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Like I said, this time of year draws a lot of children into the dark side, into the side they need to stay away from. They open up a door, and an evil spirit comes through that and influences the child and can stick with that child many years. So we've got to be very careful what we allow our children to play with and to tinker and to mingle with. We have this, uh, this evil little child, what is it, Harry Potter. We've seen how his stories from when he first started to later and later and the most recent writings of that woman were darker and darker. 
But she professed very early on that she was introducing this character subtly, gently and slowly to get people trapped into it and linger into it. I mean, excuse me, drawn into it. And when she would make it darker and darker, and it has become darker and darker, eviler and eviler. Over in Acts chapter 8, we see an encounter with a, a person that would be considered amongst this group. In Acts chapter 8, picking up verse 9, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving, into, giving out that he himself was some great one. See, so it wasn't just all the way back in the days of Deuteronomy and so forth. This goes all the way into the New Testament times, still dealing with this same thing. These that were in league with Satan and doing satanic things, as we see it carrying over to today too. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is a great power of God. See, they proclaim that they are of God, but they are not. They are of Satan. What's that one up in New York? The Manhattan Maiden, I think is what they call her. And she was popular a few years back. And she claimed that she was able to speak to your, your dead loved ones and give you information. And some of the information that she provided them was clearly un, unexplainable how she could have known such things. Because she didn't interact with those people, but yet she knew things about those people that were never given to her by another person. They were given to her by an evil spirit. Because an evil spirit indwelling an individual can give them understanding and knowledge of things that they themselves have never experienced. Because that evil spirit has connection directly with Satan and other evil spirits who have been around and seen things. So all that information from the devil can be delivered right to that evil person and delivered as being something of God, but it is not clearly of Satan, just like this man was doing Simon. Verse 11, And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. See, even this witch, this warlock, this sorcerer, there's still a possibility of saving him. So he wound up getting saved, hearing the gospel, converting, turning away from that evil way. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. So we need to take the opportunities that come our way to even the ones that are in dabbling in such evil things and present the gospel to them. Get them out of such things. Get them out of that kind of behavior. And get them on the right pathway. And then over in Acts chapter 13, we see another sorcerer. And then in Acts chapter 16, we see a, a damsel that was possessed with a spirit of divination. And over and over we see this. This was the New Testament. This was things that Paul was dealing with. This is thing that the other apostles were dealing with. So we know that it continued for quite some time. And we know that Satan uses even people in the ministry 
like over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, reads, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, just like the others, pretending that they are speaking for God, but actually they're speaking for Satan. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light, as it says in verse 14. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. The Lord's going to hold them accountable. So you got these false teachers, you got these false preachers, you got these people that puff themselves up as, yes, I am of God, but actually they're indwelt with Satan and they're leading people away from the Lord instead of toward the Lord. So let's look at what's going on in this world. Let's look at what's going on every day. And let's look at what's going on tomorrow on Halloween and see if there's doors of opportunity there for us to overlay evil with something righteous, to convert the darkness into that which is light. So, yes, it's going to be difficult to get rid of Halloween altogether, so let's take Halloween and use it to reach the children and reach others, to draw them out of that darkness and into the light. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the... No matter what's going on, no matter what time of year it is, we can always turn to your Word and find the guidelines that we need. The ordinances, the statutes of the Old Testament, the knowledge and wisdom that we can learn from that, and the ones that carry over into the New Testament, most of all, that we love each other. Not the hatred and darkness that can be brought in on a day like Halloween, but the, the joyfulness and the festivity that can be brought in. An opportunity to be able to reach those that we wouldn't normally encounter and help us to be able to take those opportunities to share your love and to shine your light into this dark world. Thank you once again for all the opportunities you give us to be a part of your work. So we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.